Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, good morning to everyone and Merry Christmas to you. And you say Merry Christmas to you, PR. Oh, I got about half of you. Come on now, dog. Here we go. Hey, come on. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for a cool opportunity to continue our series on uh, the joy of Christmas. And as we get into it in just a second, I'm going to be talking about Emmanuel, God with us. How many of you are thankful during this time of season? God's with us. But, come on now, he's with us every season, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm preaching right now better than you're shouting, and I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Emmanuel, God with us. But before we do, I want to say a huge thank you on behalf of Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne and the Carter and Brantley family for the wonderful outpouring of honoring uh, Oh, Mr. Bob. I don't know anything else to say. Robert, Mr. Bob Carter. Uh, so thank you for being here. Just a full house with such a wonderful, wonderful honoring spirit. And thank you for being a part. You really honored him and you honored the family. So thank you for doing that. So here we go. The joy of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, as we get started this morning, I know that you guys probably are much better than Pastor Ron. There's two things that uh, you, you, know, you just know are part of this season that you really kind of got to, you just got to fight against doing. And, and, and so far, PR has been pretty successful at doing it. Um, number one, not shopping. <laughs> Haven't shopped yet. Uh, and so I've been very successful at not shopping. The other thing I've been very, very successful at, and I'm really digging my heels in the sand here, is not one Hallmark Christmas movie. Come on, somebody. Not one, not part of one, not little one, not any of one, never will be one. I mean, I walk into my bedroom at night and I just, I just, I mean, I just break into a cold sweat because, you know, Barbara's got it on, you know, a lot. And so it's cool. I survived it last year. I'm going to survive it again, right? You know, come on. But the other thing that I've done pretty good at is not shopping. And uh, I do pretty good at that every year. Uh, so I'm consistent, if nothing else. Uh, but put yourself in an interesting position with me for just a second. Let's say, let's go out on a limb and say you actually go to the mall and you start shopping. And you walk into Macy's or you walk into Dillard's or you walk into Belk Lindsay or you walk into something there and you're in the midst of the crowd, okay? And as you're in the midst of the crowd, you're shopping along and out of nowhere, comes booming through the speakers, this beautiful Christmas music. And you know, you're just kind of looking around, you're saying, Where, where's, that, where's that coming from? What are, they, what are they seeing? What's going on here? And, and you're trying to figure out now, come on, trying to figure out how to respond. How do you respond? Well, let me show you how these people responded when the same thing happened. So watch this.
I love that because basically, especially that last scene, that gentleman with his hand raised in the air in the middle of Macy's because what happened there, guys, on our normal shopping Christmas day, shoppers became worshipers. Macy's became a sanctuary. And all of a sudden, the praises of our God went up in a normal everyday Saturday Christmas Uh, I'm sorry, normal everyday Saturday shopping day became a Christmas celebration. And it became, in the middle of some crowded hustle bustle world, it became a Christmas celebration. And you know, as, as majestic as that is, as Pastor Hector shared with us so wonderfully last week, that's nothing in comparison to what happened when Jesus came and became Emmanuel, God with us. Nothing compared to what's described in Luke chapter 2. Here we go. Let's read together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went back to their hometown and they went to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Bethlehem, of Nazareth in Galilee of Judea to Bethlehem, the town of the city of David, because he belonged to the house and the lineage of David. And he went to register there because he was part of that town. And he went with Mary to register, who was pledged to be married to him and was embracing and expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came by that moment of time for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him in those clothes that Pastor Hector talked about last week, those swaddling clothes, and placed him in that manger that he referred to to us last week because there there was no room or no guest room in the inn and nothing available for them. Now, what happened next, guys, after we read Luke chapter 2? I mean, it's absolutely spectacular. What happens next is pretty spectacular. You've got shepherds coming from all regions. You've got the wisest men of the day coming and bringing gifts. You've got this spectacular star in the sky that's leading them to the direction they're supposed to be going. So what happens next after Luke chapter 2 is absolutely spectacular. But before that, it's pretty normal. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty normal. This is not King Joseph and Queen Mary. This is just Norm and Norma. <laughs> and they're kind of doing what they're directed to do, what they're expected to do, what they're told to do. And they're just normal people. Joseph had calluses in his hands from working in the carpenter shop. Mary had stretch marks. They're just pretty normal, norm and norma. They got no special treatment or no special uh, accolades or no special recognition. They were Mary and Joseph going to where they were supposed to go. They got such non-special treatment, and Pastor Hector talked about this so well last week, and the scripture referred to it, there was not even a room in the inn. I mean, they didn't have reservations. They didn't show up like on the red carpet of Hollywood and get out of the limo. You know, there, there wasn't that kind of, uh, of, of uh, entrance into Bethlehem. They got no special treatment. Now, it's interesting when I look at Scripture and I begin to compare the stories. I look at Luke. Luke, man, Luke's a, Luke takes us 
through ground level. I mean, he takes us through the grassroots experience of Mary and Joseph, just right where the rubber meets the road. Stable, manger, no room in the inn. I mean, just the basics of basics. He brings us in at the ground level. But then when I flip over a couple of books and I look at John, John brings us a wonderful story of the entrance of Jesus, not through a manger, but through heaven. He shows us this illustration of Jesus coming to be with us, coming to be Emmanuel, God with us, not from a manger, not from a stable, not from a city called Bethlehem, but Luke takes us in at ground level, but John takes us through the entrance of Jesus into the world through heaven. Look at John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, Genesis language, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning, and watch this now, through him, not by him, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Now, let me skip down to verse 14 real quickly because this is Emmanuel, God with us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Somebody ought to say yeah. And we have seen his glory, like the glory of one, the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You see the difference there that I'm referring to? Luke takes us through this stable. Luke takes us through history. Luke takes us through a manger. Luke takes us through law. John takes us through the entrance of heaven. And literally, he says, by Genesis language, guys, he says, in the beginning, he was with God, and he was God. And here's the phrase that I absolutely love, through him all things were made. Not by him, through him. See, if it's by him, guys, I get this, this thought in my mind that he assembled me. There were parts that he had to kind of put together. You got me so far, you with me? Say, go ahead, PR. You know, he, he, he did put us together, but, but it was also a greater understanding of what he did. It wasn't just, let me say it that way, it wasn't just by him, but rather it was through him. In other words, guys, he took something from nothing and made us into who we are today. The breath of God threw him into us. The power of God threw him into us. The peace of God threw him into us. The passion of God threw him into us. The future and the destiny that God has for you threw him and into you, say, thank God. Through him and into you. Here's what John does. John describes this force, this force that is literally, guys, get this in your heart's mind, this force that is literally in the throne room of God, and he becomes flesh. He becomes flesh. He becomes with us. Here it is in Matthew 1, 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Ah, oh, you missed a good place to shout. Because here's what we got, guys. We have it coming from two words. Emano literally means with us. 
El, one of the words of God, Elohim, which means God. He becomes, oh, I love, I love saying it this way. I love saying it this way. He becomes a with us God. Not a, a, a near us God. Not a near us God. Not a same zip code God. Not a same region God, but a with us God. As I walk around, well, I'm not going to, so let me repent before I lie. I started, I started to say, as I walk around the mall. <laughs> as I walk around in this culture, in this world, in this hustle bustle society, as I, as I run through Macy's and I get a tie for dad and I get perfume for mom and I get socks for Uncle Joe. <laughs> I just finished my shopping list, hallelujah. As I run through that and I get into that, 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 that hustle bustle of the day, regardless of what I'm doing, man, that department store becomes a sanctuary because Emmanuel is God with us today. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, let me ask you a question. Because, again, it preaches good, man. 2,000 years ago, he became Emmanuel, God with us. It preaches good. But let me ask you a question. Let's fast forward 2,000 years. He's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us. He is still not a near us God. He is still not a same zip code God. He is, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. So let me ask you a question. Where is he with you? Where is he with you? I'll tell you where he is. He's with you in the valley. He's with you in the valley. PR, what's the valley? You know what the valley is better than I do. Because some of you are in the valley right now. Some of you are walking through that valley right now. The valley is the battle. The valley is loneliness. The valley is desperation. It's despair. It's hurt. It's pain. It's valley is when is this going to end? Valley is that time to where we're in that dark crevice of life and we're wondering, we are wondering, where is God? Well, let me give you good news. He's right there with you in the midst of the valley today. Right there with you in the midst of the valley. See, here's the principle you got to get. I enjoy God on the mountaintop. I get to know him in the valley. I enjoy the presence of God on the mountaintop. Man, it's pretty, it's bright, it's airy, it's refreshing. There's a cool breeze of life blowing in my face. But let me ask you a question. Well, what do we do when that cool breath, that cool breeze of spring changes from being a cool breeze in our face to a cold winter wind down the back of our neck? What do we do? What attitude do we take? What placement of faith do we accept? I'll tell you what we do. We find ourselves just like David. One of my favorite cries of David, Psalm 84, look at this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. David was going through the valley. When we look at the context of Psalm 84, that pilgrimage was a long trek, a long trek through the valley. And that's what David is describing here. He's talking about a long walk through the valley. Watch this now. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, the word Baca literally means tears. As I pass through the valley of tears, 
Here we go now. I just asked you the question. I just asked you the question. What do you do when that wonderful warm spring wind of life in your face turns to the cold winter wind of life down the back of your neck. I'm walking through the valley of tears. What do I do? As I pass through the valley of tears, I make it a place of springs. I make it a place of refreshing. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Where is, we? Where is he? He's with me in that time of the valley of tears. And here's what's beautiful, guys. When we understand the, pali- the power rather, of Emmanuel, God with us, my valley becomes a path of peace. My valley becomes a path of peace. Number two, where's the second place he's with us? He's with us in the wilderness. What's the wilderness? You, know, you guys know the wilderness. The wilderness is trials. The wilderness is hardship. The wilderness is wandering. The wilderness is that time of, it may be a time of wondering, like I told you a couple of weeks ago. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago as we talked about going through that stages of, of grace, we find ourselves in that moment of wondering, where are you, God? Where are you, God? But it also may be, may be that, that moment of wandering. Here's the beautiful thing when we understand that we're in that valley We're in that challenging place. We're in that trial. We're in that hardship. We're in that wandering moment. And I find myself realizing it is Emmanuel, God with us. Here's what happens. My deepest need becomes a gift. My deepest need becomes a gift when it drives me to depend on God. My biggest challenge becomes a gift to me. My biggest hurt becomes a gift to me. We're talking about giving during this Christmas season. My greatest gift from God becomes this right here. It becomes a gift to me when I get past that moment of me, 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 me. And I say, God, 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 God. Because in the valley you are with me. In the valley you are with me. So my deepest need literally becomes, my my pain becomes a gift. Come on, somebody. My hurt becomes a gift. My challenge becomes a gift. Why? Because it's driving me to God. You know, one of the great illustrations when I think about all of this is one of my favorite guys in scripture, his name's Elijah. Elijah, man, there's a time, guys, where Elijah found himself in a tremendous wilderness. And he was being chased by Ahab. He was going through here, he was going there. He's by by the valley of the brook at Kareth. He's going through all these crazy things. He's in a tough spot. He's in a tough spot. He's in the wilderness. And while he's there, he's wondering the same thing you and I have wondered. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And he's crying out that way. He's he's trying to hear from God. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you been in the wilderness and you've cried out to God? And you said, where are you, God? And you heard nothing. You felt like the heavens were as brass. I've given you this principle before. I'll give it to you again. The teacher doesn't always talk during the test. The teacher doesn't always talk during the test. You got a test, take the test. Do your best in the test. Don't ask the teacher, well, I can't say that. 
but don't expect always answers to come from the teacher while the test is being given. That's a pretty fun teacher. <laughs> How many of you wish you had teachers like that in school? They give you the answers during the test. I would have passed. I told the graduating class last year, you know, I was not a good student in school. I was, a matter of fact, I was a really bad student. Just wasn't very smart. And as I stood here on the platform during graduation last year, sitting here as one of the greatest litigators in America, David Gibbs, graduated from Duke Law School. Duke Law School, magna cum laude. I told the graduates, I graduated from college too, but I didn't graduate magna cum laude. I graduated thank the laude. Not very smart. Where was I? That's it, thank you, coach. Yeah, the teacher, that, that'd be a great teacher. That's not the teacher we have here at the Rock School, and that's not our master teacher. But here's what he does during the test. He guides you, he directs you, he covers you, he protects you, and he leads you through that, that valley wilderness experience. Again, one of my favorite guys is Elijah. Elijah went through that time of going through that valley. And look at what happens here. First Kings chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, it says this. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Man, I watch, I love this. Watch this passage of scripture. Watch this passage of scripture. Stand in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great, powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? After the earthquake, after the earthquake, rather, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? You've given me three chances to hear your voice. You're not in any of them. Where are you, God? He was not in the fire. And after the fire came the gentle whisper. The gentle whisper of God. The gentle whisper of God. He wasn't in the earthquake, man. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He was in the gentle whisper of the master's voice. Here's why the devil shouts lies, but God whispers truth. Yeah, go ahead. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't mess around. The devil shouts lies. But God whispers truth, and he never leaves your side because he's Emmanuel, God with you. Where else is he? He's in the storm. What are storms? Some of you can define this better than I can because you're in the storm right now. A storm is something that blows up out of nowhere and brings or has the potential to bring destruction. You know, as I was kind of jotting some things down, I thought so clearly of the hurricane that hit Panama City a year ago. Literally, one day, that's nothing more than a small tropical storm out in the Gulf. A Cat 4. Blew up out of nowhere and brought devastation to a beautiful 
coastal area. What are storms? A storms are difficult times that blow up out of nowhere and bring destruction. But in the midst of that storm, there are so many wonderful stories in scripture of the storm. And in the midst of that storm, there is Emmanuel, God with us. One of my favorite stories of storms that we don't read a whole lot is Acts chapter 27. Here we go. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued to rage. Come on, somebody. The storm continued to rage. How many of you, like Pastor Ron, has shouted out toward God, when is the storm going to end? Is this thing ever going to end? When is it going to end? The storm is continuing to rage. When is it going to end? We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now be transparent with me, baby. You said, when is this going to end? And as you were going through that storm, you wanted to say, maybe you didn't say it, but you wanted to say, I quit. On the plains of hesitation lie the dead dry bones of thousands who on the threshold of victory sat down and said, it must not be. Get that in your mind's eye. On the plains of, is it going to end? Is it not going to end? When will it end? Can I make it through this? They're right there on the threshold of victory and they threw up their hands and said, I quit. Don't quit. You're on the threshold of walking into everything God has for you. Why? He's Emmanuel, God with you. He's Emmanuel, God with you. They gave up all hope of being saved. Let's keep reading though because it gets better. Here we go. But now I urge you, I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you is going to be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed because last night an angel of the Lord God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside you. Come on, somebody. Don't give up hope. As you stand there looking, come on now, you're standing there with PR looking at that storm in the face. It's blowing against you and standing right next to you is the Emmanuel God with you. Nothing's going to be lost. Nothing is going to be lost. Get this principle. Peace isn't found in the absence of the storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Why? Because he's Emmanuel, God with you. Last year, lastly, where's he with you? Where's he with you? Who did I tell you that he is? He is Emmanuel. God with us. So what that means is he's with us always. He's with us always. John 1:14 said the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory and the glory of the one only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now, that sounds really cool back there in Bethlehem. He became the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That, that's pretty cool, but PR, that's 2,000 years ago. Give me something I can chew on today. All right, here we go. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you for 
forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. Emmanuel, God with you. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also live. Why? Because he is Emmanuel, God with you. You know, as I was going through this, I realized something as I kind of compared different aspects of the life of Christ. I realized at birth, he is named Emmanuel, which means God with us. But as he ascends at the end of his life to the right hand of God the Father, he says, he, he prophetically declares to us his name. Because as he, as he begins to go, go away, he says this, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So we get that promise at birth that he is Emmanuel, God with us. We get that promise at the end of his life that he is always going to be with us. So he is Emmanuel, theologically, God with us. Personally, you're never alone. You're never alone. I was talking to my friend Faves before service earlier, and we were talking about a fantastic passage of scripture, Acts 10:38, the encapsulation of all the gospels. Because here's what it says, guys. It says, Jesus of Nazareth went around doing good, healing all of the sick and setting free all of those that were oppressed by the devil. Watch this now, because God was with him. Now, when I look at that, it's real easy for me to say, you know, PR, that sounds cool, but that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Of course, he's going around healing the sick. Of course, he's going around setting the captive free. That's Jesus. But how does that scripture open up? It doesn't open up by saying, Jesus, son of God. It opens up by saying, Jesus of Nazareth. What it declares, guys, is his humanity, but he did all those things even in his humanity because God was with him. And that's the same promise you have this Christmas, this time of the year, this season of life, whatever you're going through, whether it's the storm, whether it's the wilderness, whether it's any area of your life that you're going through, you go around as someone that has been made more than a conqueror because it is him who continues to put power in you and be with you. Come on, go ahead. Go ahead. Bow your heads with me. Father, I bless you today and I thank you for the power of that promise that is, it is Emmanuel, God with us. Father, I thank you for your word that gives us that comfort of knowing that whatever we're walking through, storms, wildernesses, all kinds of situations, let the floods come in. But I thank you, Father, that as they come in, you set a standard against it. And so we're able to have the promise of knowing that it is, it is God with us. Father, I bless these people today. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that here, that's here. Father, we also 
in reality understand that this is a time of year to where all kinds of feelings, emotions, hurts, in the midst of celebrating, they had the ability to come up. But also shows us, Lord, that in the midst of those hurtful times, that pain, that loneliness, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And Father, if there's those that are here in this, this place this morning that are that need that that promise to come to life and you become Emmanuel, God with them by the saving power of Jesus. Just touch their heart right now, Lord. Just touch their heart right now, right where they are and bring, bring, that, bring that, that place of comfort, that, that place of peace, that place of security. Let me ask you that question while nobody's looking around just for a second. You're here today and you say, Pastor Ron, I want God to be with me, but I've got to make a statement of saying, God, I want you to be with me by accepting Jesus Christ and making him Lord and Savior of my life. I want God with me. God's not with me and I'm not with God. I want to change that. I want to change that. I want to alter that path that I'm on and I want God to be with me, come alive in me, become real to me by accepting Jesus Christ as my savior today so that he then becomes God with me, just like he's with God with all these other people in this room. I want that same promise, provision, and peaceful security also. So Pastor Ron, I want you to pray for me. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. But I would just want to ask you that question. You're here today and you're saying, I want to be with God and I want God to be with me, but I've got to make that decision for Jesus. Would you please pray for me? Put your hand up right where you are. Yes, yes, thank you. You can put it right back down after I recognize that. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Fantastic, fantastic. He becomes God with you. Now here's what we're going to do. As I say many times, God makes things really simple, but he doesn't always make them easy. And the simplicity of serving Jesus or the simplicity of accepting Jesus is this. We're all gonna pray together in just a second. And if you raise your hands, I want you to pray along with me and this congregation as we pray out loud. And here's what it says in Romans, that you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, and you make that declaration and you shall be saved. Again, easy, simple, and it becomes life to you. So everybody in this room is gonna pray out loud as I lead you in that prayer, and you're going to pray and mean it in your heart as we pray. So let's pray together. Father, I come to you. In Jesus' name, and I thank you. 2,000 years ago, you gave me a promise that's coming alive this morning. You are becoming Emmanuel to me, God with me. And I'm making a statement to ask, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my past, do what the Bible says it will do takes all those old things, removes them, and starts my life new today. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior and as my Lord. And I declare right now that I want you to be with me and I will be with you and follow you all the days of my life. 
in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.